Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Crazy week coming up. You know the trade deadline is coming on Thursday, but we already had a trade on Sunday. Trades don't happen on Sunday. The Nets and Mavericks. Well, Friday was crazy because Kyrie Irving requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets, and two days later, he's gone. He's in Dallas with the Mavericks. So if you've been watching the show, you know when it comes to Mavericks basketball, you know who I talk to. It's the homie Lauren Gunn. Had to get her on the show. She is somebody always plugged in to Mavericks basketball. So I had to have her here join the show. Lauren, what's up? How you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm glad to be back. It's a little crazy that we're we're talking under these circumstances, especially after a Sunday <laughs> afternoon or a Sunday trade, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um things are crazy, but I'm glad that at least we have a trade to talk about here in Dallas. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, you do have a trade to talk about. And it's interesting because the last time you were on here and we talked, we talked about the fact our whole thing was about Luca needs a co-star, right? Like we yes. were talking about that fact that needs a co-star. All right. So I want to start off this by looking at this trade, right? Because the Nets, they get Dorian Finney-Smith from the Mavericks, Spencer Dinwiddie back to Brooklyn, 2029 first round pick, and then second round picks in 2027 and 2029. Mm-hmm. And you, the Mavericks, they get Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. How do you evaluate this deal? Um, and I get also to add to that, were you shocked by this deal? Um, <laughs> as somebody who wanted help for Luca, were you shocked mm-hmm. by this? And what's your evaluation of this deal? Um, I guess off the top, was I was I shocked? I mean, yeah, there's always a little bit of shock factor when there's a quote-unquote blockbuster trade involving your team, for sure. Um, I was also a little surprised that Dorian Finney-Smith was involved with it, along with the 2029 first-round pick. Um, but if you're Dallas, I mean, people, people continue to talk about the risk and the questions surrounding Kyrie Irving. And while they're all valid and I completely agree with them, I also am looking at this situation and and was looking at this situation before, especially as, uh, this season kind of began and continued to progress. And it was clear how big of a step they had taken back. Um, I wasn't totally off just caught off guard in in a way where I was like, I hate this deal. Yes. Like I mentioned, losing Dorian Finney Smith in the first round pick specifically does hurt. But if you're Dallas, I don't know that that deal is getting done unless you're including those two key pieces of that deal. I know, uh, Tim Cato mentioned that they were, that Dallas made it a priority to not include Josh Green, uh, or Jaden Hardy, despite Josh Green, probably more specifically being, uh, of interest of high interest to the Brooklyn Nets. So, um, to me, I was very pleased to see that they did not keep those or that they did not include those two guys in the deal, um, despite having other offers on the table from teams like the Lakers. Uh, the Suns even had a pretty intriguing package, it sounds like, with Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. Um, so for Dallas, I commend them for getting a deal done because time and time again in Mavs, I guess, media, 
it just feels like they're continuing to sit back and deals are taking place and Dallas cannot just cannot get a seat at the table, even in free agency that continues to see to, to, to seem to be the case. Um, obviously the Jalen Brunson situation is a little bit different, but um, for the most part, it does kind of just seem like missed opportunity after missed opportunity. And while there are, like I said, kind of going back to the gamble and the risk and the question marks with Kyrie Irving, whether it be the extension, the fit, the off the court stuff, unfortunately for Dallas, this was this was their shot, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is it. This is your home run. Everything is on the table for Luca uh, in the Luca era because they do still have picks 24, 25, 26, 27, and 28 available, um, and then they will even have the 30, 2030 first, which sounds crazy to say, first round pick, um, which obviously won't be traded because of the Stepien rule. But the the point is is that Dallas still has options, and when I, I mentioned, I made sure to mention this yesterday when I reacted to the trade, when Kyrie decides it's time to move on, Dallas will probably get something in return. I think him walking in free agency, while that's still very much on the table and and something that Dallas needs to, um, I guess, entertain as a possibility, the Mavs, one, he's going to be playing for a contract, which means he's he's going to have to show up and he's going to have to help them make some noise in the playoffs. I think he's still going to get a contract no matter what. Um, but when he does decide to move on, which as of right now, I do believe will ultimately be when he requests another trade in the future after he has signed an extension, whether he believes that he's going to commit long-term to Dallas or not, if it just means putting pen to paper and locking that money up for himself, that's what I see kind of being a more realistic possibility or, or a more realistic outcome. And from then, Dallas will then have another, they will then have more options kind of after the fact, because there are always going to be suitors for Kyrie Irving just because of the sheer talent alone. And so for Dallas, when you're looking at the gamble and the risk and all of that considered, Dallas now has a seat at the table, especially in terms of competing this year with two of the top ISO scores in the game, which in terms of basketball fit and, and with the Mavericks and coach Jason Kidd, they do run a pretty heavy ISO offense. There's not a whole lot of motion. It's a lot of uh, ball screens, dives, and ISO scoring. So Kyrie will slide right into there and fit in really well. Um, and so personally, I'm really intrigued to look at the basketball fit and see them kind of work together on the floor. I'm also intrigued to see some of these young guys learning from someone Kyrie just because of how different his style is from Luka. Um, I think that he could potentially be a better in terms of his game versus some of the other guys that need to learn in their games they're more compatible so I think that they can learn potentially learn more from him um so I think that there are a lot of upside pluses for Dallas but this is a big risk and 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 while that's all true that was the reality for the Dallas Mavericks they did not they not just sit around and wait for a star to come available because odds are continuing to wait was only going to upset Luca and continuing to wait was only an if if you could get it done, if your offer gets taken. So for this, for the Mavs, for right now, I like the move. Right. And and there's a lot to it, right? I'm glad you touched upon some of that. Um, the other thing is, you know, I talked about the last time you came on here, we talked about the fact that Luca needed a co-star. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people might have thought it would be a big, um, another maybe another wing player that yeah. gave you that. Do you think Kyrie is the co-star that Luca needed? Is he... The perfect, perfect fit. You talked about you obviously need another ball handler once Jalen Brunson went too, and that right. was another thing. Um, but is Kyrie the the perfect co-star for? Mm-hmm. Is he the one that Luca needed? Do you think it's it's a good fit in terms of that, or is there a better co-star for Luca? 
So, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I'd say he's the perfect fit, and the biggest reason for that is the availability. Um, I do think that his ISO game and the ball handling and the scoring and his ability to play off ball is, on paper, a really good fit next to Luka and about as good as you could ask for right now, and especially given their limited assets. I mean, we've seen what Brooklyn has done this season uh, when they've got their guys available and where they currently find themselves in the Eastern Conference. The Mavs are kind of right in, 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 in a similar spot in, um, uh, in a similar spot in the Western conference. It's a very tight race, but if they kind of get on a hot stretch here because of the offensive firepower of Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, uh, Christian Woods future in that we can touch on that. I'm not sure where, where that necessarily fits, but, um, those two side by side is going to be a really tough offensive duo to stop. Um, so Dallas is going to have to figure out, and, and again, another thing that I think might need to get it addressed here before February 9th um, is front court depth, defensive depth. Um, losing Dorian Finney-Smith obviously hurts, but when you have the offensive, again, the offensive firepower of that that duo to kind of um, to rely on night in and night out, and you can, well, <laughs> that's the that's the big question. Can you rely on it night in and night right. out? They will when right. they're both available. I think that's the biggest thing that makes this not the perfect co-star for Luca. But again, given Dallas's current situation and what their current options were looking now and even into the future, I think this is probably I believe that this is the best situation that they could have hoped for. Yeah, and you and you also kind of touch upon this because when you, there's no way to talk about this trade without talking about it, right? And I just saw somebody in the chat said. Well, what about all the uh, the off the court stuff with yep. Kyrie, right? And, and that, and I think it's absolutely concerning. You you haven't shied from that. Um, yeah. Should Mavs fans, Mavericks Nation, should they be concerned about Kyrie's passing? When I look at it, somebody who's in Brooklyn, in New York City, and has watched this guy, the big thing is you look at him. You say he's not reliable. I don't right. know if he's going to show up. I don't know what his antics may be and how that might now disrupt the Mavericks. Is this something that Mavericks fans should be legitimately concerned about, Lauren? Without a doubt. you With Kyrie, you always have to be concerned about the past, the present, and the future. And that is just a fact. We've seen it time and time again in different scenarios. It doesn't matter how much talent he's paired with, how good of a situation uh, he's he finds himself in in terms of being able to compete for a championship. You always have to be concerned with Kyrie. Um, the thing, the, the, the thing that I'm looking at right now, especially from a, from a Dallas perspective, uh, is the fact that they know that making this move, whether Kyrie signs that extension or not, his priority night right now is playing so he can ink that next contract. And if he waits until the summer, from my my current understanding, is that if he waits until this summer, he is eligible uh, for a much more significant extension than the current two years, $83 million, uh, that I saw this morning uh, in Tim Cato's article from The Athletic. So uh, I think for Kyrie, his goal right now is going to be to show why he deserves the most amount of money that he can get guaranteed for himself moving forward. And and I, I don't even think that it necessarily is about, oh yeah, I'm signing a two-year or that four-year extension uh, to be a Dallas Maverick for the future. And, you know, I, I'm not going to have any of this off the court stuff to get me um, to, to keep that from happening between now and then all of those are like, none of that is a, is a surefire. Yes. Just because he, uh, just because he wants the contract. You never know what's going to happen around the corner and you never know what he's going to say or feel or do about it. Um, and so uh, short answer, yeah, they absolutely need to be concerned. Um, but if I'm Dallas, I do believe that they have enough leverage in this situation right now. And Kyrie knows that he needs to show up and he needs to play so that he can get the contract that he so desires. 
Yeah, and all reports, uh, Chris Haynes reported that he's ecstatic to join um, the Mavericks, but we also right. heard he was ecstatic to join the Celtics when he went there too, and then that that changed. Well, look, <laughs> exactly. you, never know, you never know with Kyrie, right? You never know with Kyrie, yep. Lauren, and that's the that's the really interesting thing uh, about this. Um, you, you brought this up because mm-hmm. now when you look at this roster, and you're mm-hmm. right, you gave away uh, one of the best 3D players in the league in Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, now you have a starting lineup that is going to have Luka Doncic, uh, Kyrie Irving, and Christian Wood. None of those guys are known to be strong defensively. How concerned are you about Dallas's defense, and do you think they make any moves to address that before mm-hmm. Thursday? Yeah, I, I'm, def- I'm definitely concerned. Um, Josh Green, I, I do I do think and uh, a big part of this, not whether or not this deal gets done or not, I don't think it was a factor in, in that regard, but Josh Green's development in terms of him proving that he's a player that you can play more than 20 minutes a night, uh, that's a big part of, of what Dallas is kind of planning moving forward and a big reason as to why he was not uh, available to be included in this trade, even though Brooklyn uh, was interested in that. For for Josh, I do expect him to continue to have more minutes. I expect Reggie Bullock to be in the starting lineup as opposed to Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, despite I believe it was ESPN's projected lineup. Um, that's just, you're going to have too much offense and too little defense. I do got to give Christian Wood some credit. He has improved uh, on the defensive end. He's become a shot-blocking presence uh, for Dallas, which has been phenomenal. Um and that's that's a big part of it. I don't know that he's going to be a Dallas Maverick post deadline. I think that there are still a lot of looming kind of internal questions there uh, from from what I understand on that on that front with Christian Wood. Um, but whether Christian Wood is included or not, I think you got contracts like Tim Hardaway Jr. Even guys kind of on the I, and I hate to say lower end because I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I think you got even guys like Frank Nilakina and even numbers contract numbers like Theo Pinson. I don't think that they can afford to to give up Theo Pinson. Uh, but there are guys that I think could be system fits for other teams that are looking to make these around the fringes kind of roster moves, and those are where I'm interested to see Dallas kind of get out and be creative because they just gave up. There are few remaining first or excuse me, uh, second round picks. So you're going to have to look at, okay, who can we, we can no longer add these picks to move off of Davis Bertans or even JaVel McGee. I do think that there's still a chance that they move JaVel McGee. Um, but there are several situations around the league. You've got the Knicks, you've got the Kings, you've got even Denver teams that need front uh, front court depth or could use someone like a JaVale McGee more than Dallas could, could use someone like a Frank Nilakina or even a Theo Pinson. I've seen so many people from Knicks Twitter want Frank Nilakina, want Theo Pinson, even with them being former Knicks. Uh, so I do think that there are going to be options out there for Dallas. I don't know that they're necessarily going to be any more eye-popping moves. I think the eye-popping move will be when Christian Wood gets moved, probably most likely, at least as of right now, from my understanding, is to the Clippers. Uh, but if it's not the Clippers, if it's not someone else, I'm not going to be surprised if he gets moved and Dallas either gets a return from that trade or at least has another deal lined up to address the fact that they need a rim-protecting presence um, to to kind of round out that starting lineup. I personally am keeping my eye on the Hawks, especially with Christian Wood now being available, uh, mm. but I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Dallas is going to be able to close that deal. Yeah, and I figured they'd want to address the defense because offense really hasn't been the problem for Dallas this year, but they yeah. dropped what it was seventh last year in defense, and now they're down to 24th uh, in defensive rating. So you've seen that change there. A couple more questions for you before I let you sure. go here. Um, 
you you talked about this to me for quite some time, and you just mentioned it before, Josh Green, right? You yes. were very high on Josh Green. You wanted more minutes for Josh Green. Now he will get that opportunity in the starting lineup. Do you think he can be that kind of two-way player that the Mavericks need here? And there's obviously really good value for a guy who's still on his rookie contract here. Mm-hmm. What do you think Josh Green can now do in this offense and also defensively as well, too? Yeah, I think as uh, – first, I do want to note that I do – I, I honestly, I hope I'm wrong, but as of right now, I do think that Reggie Bullock will, will keep that, that, uh, wing spot in the the starting lineup, but I would not be surprised. And I, I tweeted this yesterday. I would not be surprised if as the year kind of goes on, it does make more sense to start Josh Green over Reggie Bullock because the numbers are there. Josh Green is simply more effective, especially when he shares the court with Luka Doncic and playing with a guy like Kyrie in the starting lineup. I'm not sure as of, uh, Kyrie or Jason Kidd's plans to stagger Luka and Kyrie the way he did with Luka and Dinwiddie, that I think could significantly come into play with where Josh Green fits into that rotation and what lineups he has him out there with. But I absolutely wouldn't be surprised if it's um, not too much longer before Josh Green starts because not only is, I mean, from day one, it was the athleticism and the defense and the energy, which is why I was so high on him because he has all the intangibles that you can't teach. He, he high motor. He never, I mean, he's going a mile a minute. It was very clearly when you're watching him, he's got to just, you got to have the patience to kind of let him figure it out. Let the game slow down. Um, you got to wait for him to stop committing these, these kind of dumb fouls that rookies tend to make when they're adjusting to the speed of the NBA. And you've got to wait for him to kind of get a more consistent three point shot so that he can be a reliable option for Luca. And this year he has shown that he can do that. He has the confidence. He doesn't hesitate. His mechanics have improved. Um, and he hits big shots even down the stretches of games. So I am not going to be surprised at all. If Josh green, when he makes the starting lineup, I will just be interested to see if it's sooner or later in terms of it being either this year or not until next year. Yeah, it feels like the move that should be um, inevitable. One more thing for you, Lauren, and we had mm-hmm. somebody in the chat who brought this up. Sure. Uh, shout out to Avinash K. He said, does Cuban and Luke have the necessary gravitas to resign, uh, to, re- to rein in Kyrie, excuse me, when Katie, his best friend, couldn't? How much faith do you have in that? And that sort of <laughs> sets up the last thing I want to talk about here yeah. with you, which is take to take that part of what Avinash asked and then also – Look at the fact that, you know, do you think Kyrie is going to resign or extend in Dallas? Do you think that is actually going to happen? Or for you, are you just kind of focused on, all right, let's just see him get in here. Let's see how it works with the team. Mm-hmm. Cuban and the guys will worry about that a little bit later. Um, what, how do you think this all plays out for the Mavericks? Yeah, well, first, uh, thanks for the question. It's a great question and probably the biggest one for Dallas right now. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it is. How do I think <laughs> anyone can rein in Kyrie? Or, or excuse me, Kyrie? No, I sure, I sure don't. I think that that's just his personality. Um, and and you know, no matter how you feel about that, to me, that is just a fact when it comes to Kyrie Irving. So, in terms of reining him in, I don't know that I'm going to be holding my breath for that one. Uh, but again, I do think that Kyrie's priority number one, at least from everything that I've read and from everything that I've heard, is to get paid. And so for him, he's going to have to show up and he's going to have to play in order to get that done. So um, do I think that he will extend? I would be a little surprised if he si- extends his the two-year uh, before the, before the off season, if he extends before the off season, I would be, that would surprise me. Um, I do think he will extend. It's, it's really hard to say Kyrie is probably the most unpredictable <laughs> player in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I would agree. <laughs> my, agree. my current belief is that it makes the most sense for him to play well 
mm-hmm. lock up the extension because a big part of it is while other teams may promise him the number, I would not be surprised if Mark Cuban in this front office kind of given their somewhat desperation include uh, more favorable stipulations and more favorable kind of components within the contract that make Kyrie say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this one, and when I need to run, I can do it because teams are always going to want me. LeBron's still going to want me. There are other teams out there that that are going to need me. Um, So for those reasons, I do expect him to re-sign and extend in Dallas, but I do not – do I think that he will be on the Dallas Mavericks by the end of a four-year or even a two-year deal? Personally, that would surprise me. Yeah, I think I think that's a safe I think that's a safe bet going with Kyrie because you never know what never uh, know. Kyrie is going to do here. Lauren, I, I'm glad you I was able to get you on because I reached out to Cheers. you. I wanted to know your reaction to the trade as soon as it went down and you got back to me. We love having you on the show. Uh please check out Lauren's work. She is now part of the Objective Basketball Pod. Uh it's a really good podcast. Please check that out. She does great work covering the Mavericks. Lauren. I, I hope things listen, you know I'm a Luca fan, so I hope things work out well. Me too. But it's Kyrie. It's Kyrie. So I'm just God, Yeah. Man, I'm it just, is what it is, yeah. man. You got it it it's and if and I I'll end it on this is that I yeah. I am expecting this to not pan out well. Do I think that it's going to work out? I do not. But for Dallas again, they needed to do something. They needed to shake things up because what what was lying ahead was pretty doom and gloom to use the words from my, my kind of outlook that I, that I sent out yesterday uh, that you can check out on, on my Twitter page if you want to see all of that, but uh, we'll see. We'll have to just, it's a, it's a big wait and see with Kyrie as it always is. The last thing I'll say to people is I was laughing. You had a tweet. Uh, I think it was yesterday where you were like, uh, you know, the, the Mavs need more help, but then mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks you might be saying, man, I wish we had Dory Finney Smith. Yeah. yeah I, you, can, you can take that to the <laughs> bank. It, you it will be on your timeline. You can. All right, Lauren, thank you for your time. Appreciate you. I will talk to you soon. Uh, and I hope everything works out. All right. Thank you so we'll much. Talk soon. That is the great Lauren Gunn. Uh, check her out on the Objective Basketball Pod. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, my guy Chris Milhoen will be joining me to talk about the net side of this trade and all the drama that was going on in Brooklyn. We hope the drama is now a little bit down in Brooklyn, but you never know because there's been a lot of drama with the Brooklyn Nets. We'll talk about that when we come back on the NBA Exchange. Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. The Sports Walk is back. Watch Season 4 of Backpack Broadcasting's original 
award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets, literally in these streets. The first three seasons and current season with new episodes every Monday are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. Thanks for rocking with me. Special thanks to our guest earlier, Lauren Gunn. Fantastic job by her talking about the Mavericks. But there are two sides to a trade, right? And a lot of the drama surrounded the Brooklyn Nets with this trade earlier. As I said, Friday, what a day. I was just a couple blocks away from the Barclays Center having some lunch. And then the news breaks out that Kyrie Irving had requested a trade. And who would have thought two days later, he is gone from Brooklyn. It is a new era in Brooklyn. The KD Kyrie era is over. We are going to discuss that with one of my favorite people covering the Nets, if not my favorite. It is my guy, Chris Milholland. He covers the Nets for Sports Illustrated. You also see his words in Nets Daily, fellow Nets Daily alum. Chris, what's up, my man? How you doing? What's up, brother? Always great talking to you, as always. You know, you're one of my favorite people to chat hoops with. And I'll obviously thank you again for having me on, as always. Anytime, man. You know, once this went down, I had to reach out to you yesterday. I said, Chris has got to come on the show. We, we have to absolutely... Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about this for sure. Thank you to everybody out here watching. I see a lot of people watching on YouTube, LinkedIn, everybody watching out there. Appreciate you. Chris, um, let me start with this because I asked this to Lauren too when she was on. How shocked were you a Friday uh, yeah. when you saw the trade request from Kyrie? Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a way maybe we shouldn't have been that shocked because mm-hmm. Kyrie's been doing Kyrie things while he was in Brooklyn. Were you shocked by this at all whatsoever? Uh, when I when I immediately saw the reports start coming out, the First thing I thought, like I think everyone else that kind of knows about the situation or the the situation that was brewing at hand was that the extension talks did not go well, right? I think right. that was kind of the first thing that um, everyone in the borough kind of uh, acknowledged right away, right? Because obviously Kyrie was looking for a four year max, um, and according to the reports, a lot of the con- the contract offers or offer that was um, kind of just presented to him had a lot of stipulations to it. So obviously, you know, with Kyrie and, you know, how the Nets roll and you could you could kind of obviously it's not been reported what those stipulations were, but you could imagine it was probably heavily on the games played all star appearances. You had to imagine that maybe a championship was also thrown in there, considering the lack of kind of the expectations and unfulfilled expectations up until even this point before he got traded. So I wasn't really shocked by it. I was I was stunned that it happened at this time. But when you really look at it, it's a blessing in disguise because instead of Irving walking away in the offseason for nothing in the Nets' return, the Nets were able to get something back, which was a familiar face, a 3-and-D wing, and draft capital. Right. We'll get into into the hall with that, Mm -hmm. um, too. Um, But the trade coming two days after the Mm -hmm. trade request, right, like, it's funny. I actually think that this was a good thing for the Nets that they got this done sooner rather than later because mm-hmm. the longer they waited into this as we got to Thursday, everybody knew they had to trade him and they weren't going to mm-hmm. get much um, in terms of that. Um, are you are you of that same mindset that you're sort of happier they got it done now or the Nets, mm-hmm. or the Nets not you specifically, but the Nets should be happier that they got this out the way now instead of pushing it closer to February 9th? 
I'm exactly on the same page as you, right? Because especially considering what transpired on Saturday, right? That Wizards game was a big indication that the Nets were going to move quickly on this, right? Because Kyrie, Jack Vaughn told us pregame that Kyrie did not show up to the walk around with the walkthrough, and that and he was at that time unaware of whether Irving was going to be in attendance on the bench for the game, which he wasn't, right? So considering those two big things, you knew that the Nets were going to move fast on it because Jack Vaughn's been one of those coaches that's been very focused on just solely basketball. He doesn't want; he's not a big fan of distractions like every other coach in the league. Um, obviously, it's surprising considering you know everything that's transpired in recent weeks. The Nets are doing well in Kevin Durant's absence, right? Everyone expected it to kind of be a uh, spitting image of what happened last season when he got hurt. But you know, it's 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 great that they got they got it done early. I didn't expect them at all to wait till Thursday at five o'clock to get a deal done. I think at this point, the Mavericks offer. I know a lot of people are not really. Um, they're kind of fifty fifty on the return, but I think it was a pretty good good return considering um, what they would they had to give up in Kyrie, which at the end of the day was a disgruntled point guard. Obviously, a lot of teams know his contract situation, what he's looking for since because of the reports in Brooklyn. So um, yeah, like I'm on the same page as you. I'm happy they got it done on Sunday. Yeah, I think it made a, it made a lot of basketball sense for me for them to get this done uh, pretty quickly and not have this linger out, as as you said. Now you talked about the haul, right? And we could discuss mm-hmm. whether or not they got a good haul for Kyrie. I think, like you said, getting a familiar face, uh, a plug and play point guard in Spencer Dinwiddie, who mm-hmm. we know has played here in Brooklyn before, getting Dorian Finney-Smith. Getting the picks, yes, somebody will say, oh, well, it's far out, it's 2029, and you got the two seconds in 2027 and 2029. But these are now assets that the Nets can play with. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is a pretty good haul. I don't know how much better you are going to get than this. Mm-hmm. What, what do you say to that, Chris? Yeah, the, you, you hit it right on the nail there, right? Because a lot of people, obviously, you know, sports fans, especially NBA fans, they think in the moment, right? Whether that's player grading, whether that's expectations, everything. That Mavs pick in 2029 is going to be valuable, especially since it's unprotected, right? Because when you look at Luka Doncic's extension that he just signed, that deal, I, I believe, is done in 2026. So, and considering, obviously, anything could happen with the Mavericks from now till then, um, but, you know, say Luka Doncic is not on that team anymore, that pick becomes much more substantial. It, it gets much more improved. At the same time, when you really evaluate this haul, I'm very intrigued to see what this team does with Dorian Finney-Smith, right? Because now you look at how many wings that they have on this roster, and especially with Royce O'Neal, right? That's kind of coveted as a 3 and D guy within the Nets rotation. So with Finney-Smith, I'm intrigued to see if the Nets flip him again after the trade becomes official, which I would imagine on Monday night it'll get official. Um, But I'm intrigued to see what happens there. Obviously, they got now three total first-round picks and a boatload of seconds. And as you know better than anyone, you know, you have guys like Joe Harris, Seth Curry, and really anyone at this stage after the Irving trade, that's everyone aside from Kevin's untouchable. You know what I mean? So um, we, we've got to see wait, what happens. But Dorian Finney-Smith's definitely the one guy I'm really keeping a close eye on. Yeah, which tells you, we'll get into this a little bit more later, right? Like, do they still have moves to make? But you brought mm-hmm. up something that I was talking with my colleague Brian Lewis yesterday, covers the Nets for the New York Post, you know, mm-hmm. when you look at all this that's happened, the big question now turns to, okay, where does this leave KD? Mm-hmm. And what does KD want out of this? Um, are you hearing anything about what KD wants? Is he still committed to staying in Brooklyn? Does mm-hmm. he want to go elsewhere? Should the Nets blow it up? It's, it's, there's a lot of interesting possibilities now that the headache that was Kyrie Irving is out the way. Where do you think mm-hmm. this leaves Kevin Durant? 
You know, it's interesting, right? Because with Kevin, because he is injured, you know, he's not obligated to, to speak to the media, right? That's obviously media can't talk to injured players unless, like, we talked to him a couple weeks ago because of that two-week timeline. So, Kevin, according to Vaughn on Friday, I'll, I'll lead with this. According to Vaughn on Friday, um, uh, Kevin Durant update is supposed to come today. So, we'll probably find that out pregame, whether what, what his timetable is. Is he close to being cleared? I'd imagine that he gets cleared. The Nets have a total of six games, including tonight till before the All-Star break. I'd imagine he'll probably play two or three of those, and then obviously the All-Star game, that's that's a different conversation whether he plays or not. But with Kevin, I think it's too early to tell. Obviously, when you have a guy like Kyrie Irving leave so abruptly, and especially a trade request, and obviously Kevin knows it was it, it, it was business. It was a long-term contract extension that obviously did not fail to get reached. And but you know there was other things in there that are, that were reported about principles, right? That Kyrie Irving's principles or the Nets' principles they didn't see eye to eye with each other. So that's another thing in there. So when you really dive in and see what Kevin has, what really what his thinking is here is, do I think that he's going to get traded before the deadline? I don't see that happening. No, because I don't. I think the Nets are going to be very cautious with this. I've always said since after the Irving trade or after the Irving trade request that the Nets would patiently wait till the offseason to see what happens because at the end of the day, they would be able to get a greater return for Kevin. Because if they did trade Kevin, they would obviously target a lot of future assets, such as draft capital, which may be a lot of first-round picks, and a young ascending all-star, obviously a couple of rotation players, similar to the packages that you saw when his name was rumored around and during before he rescinded his trade request. So, But if I'm Kevin, obviously I'm not pleased by this, you know, especially... The roster around him right now, the, after the Irving trade, we all could agree the Nets fell to the Eastern Conference's elites, right? So he, they can't right. really have an arms battle with really one through four down the Eastern Conference reign. You know, they, they're outmatched at the big position, which they were when Kyrie was on his team. They still have that absence there. Now they lose a scoring punch, and like you know better than anyone, superstars lead championship pushes, right? And with having one superstar, whether his name is Kevin Durant, you know, it could only get you so far. And only gets you so far. It's going to be really interesting to see what the next move. And so before we get to if they can make some more moves, because I definitely want to talk to you about that. Mm -hmm. uh, this team is currently fourth in the Eastern Conference, right? Mm -hmm. Big win over Washington the other night without Kyrie playing. Huge. So a lot of the 4-2. Cam Thomas drops uh, what do you know, 40 points off the bench, 44 mm -hmm. off the bench that we saw from Cam Thomas there. Can this team still compete for a championship? Because the mindset from some mm -hmm. people will be like, hey, you still got KD on the roster, assuming he's still on the roster. Can the Nets still compete for a championship? And is that still their mindset and goal for the rest of the season? I'd say mindset and goal for sure. I think inside the organization, they're not going to shy away from expectations here. Regardless, obviously, now that you don't have Kyrie Irving, those expectations have drastically lowered, you know, in the public perception. And obviously the Nets guys know that, hey, we lost our 27, 29 point per game score since, he, since in Kevin Durant's absence, right? So um, can they compete? No. At this time, no, you know, so I think I think we all could kind of agree on that one because, you know, it's you've heard names like Nas Reed, obviously, like, you know, guys like Jared Vanderbilt, but you can imagine Utah want to package him and Malik Beasley for a bigger return there. Um, you know, it was one of those things that we all we all kind of had an idea where Brooklyn was going to go at this trade deadline or at least into the, the buyout market to get a lumbering big man. But now when you lose Kyrie Irving, you got five wings on the roster, you still have that vacant. Uh, lumbering big man spot, um, and now like you know, even though you bring back a familiar face in Spencer Dinwiddie, who who is a starting caliber point guard, you know, and obviously he's, he had some size. The Nets like they're going back to their bigger guard ways now. 
um, like they did in the the uh, D'Angelo Russell era. But do I see them contending at, with this roster? I think at most they could probably get breeze like kind of skimmed by a first round series. I don't think I don't think they get uh, past the second round at all. All right, so it's a different vibe for the Nets. We're talking about when they had two stars, and you can go back to even when they had three stars. It'll be interesting. Um, we kind of touched upon this. Do the Nets still have more moves to make before the trade deadline? What could we see? And if they were to make some moves, Chris, what would you like to see them do? Um, because mm-hmm. I'm looking at you. You mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith, right? Mm-hmm. Possible asset if the trade doesn't become official uh, by later today, uh, mm-hmm. could be flipped. You could see mm-hmm. that. You wonder what the future is for Ben Simmons. You wonder even about a Royce mm-hmm. O'Neal, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, all these guys we talked about. Um, do you think they make more moves? And what kind of moves do you think they would make if they do make some moves? Yeah, I think they definitely make a move. I think as it stands right now, I think at least they'll dip their fingers in a three-team trade. I think that's probably where it's, where we're going to head a little. I think at this point, you got to look at the roster makeup after that trade. Like I mentioned before, five wings. Obviously, the the holes in this position. You look at a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, for example. Like you know, he's on. He has three years left on his contract. It's a team-friendly deal. Teams covet three and D wings nowadays. There's a lot of contending teams, or even teams like you know that are middle in the pack that would take on a guy like that, especially on the deal that he's on. Um, so I it would I would see him being a favorable guy. Obviously, you got to look at Seth Curry, for example. I doubt the Nets are going to extend him in the off season. You know, obviously, any in the NBA, as like you know, when, around this Nets team, expect the unexpected. He's another guy you got to look at. Joe Harris's name's been thrown around for two two trade deadlines now, if not more. You know, he's on a favorable deal. He's one of those sharp shooting wings that a lot of the contenders, maybe such as the Lakers, for example, that need shooting. There, he's a good plug-in guy that you could get probably for a draft capital or a young player, right? So. You got to really kind of just weigh the dice out. Nas, Nas Reed was my guy going in before the trade request. I really thought that the Nets were going to go for it because um, considering what Minnesota would want in return. But, you know, I, I, if I had to give you three guys to keep like to keep an eye on, I think Dorian Finney-Smith is one. I think Joe Harris is two. And I think Seth Curry is number three. I think, I think that's how they're going to approach these final three days or three days less, you know, the, of the NBA trade deadline. Yeah, and that's part of the importance too, Chris, about why they, you know, with them getting the deal of getting Kyrie out of Brooklyn early allows mm-hmm. them to have some time to now work on these deals and see what they can do. I, I too, like you, do not think the Nets will stand pat here. I think it'll be some, you know, are mm-hmm. they going to get another star in? Because there's rumors mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. too. You know, a Zach Levine you've heard thrown around. They want another mm-hmm. starter pair, maybe a DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those things they will talk about, I'm not sure how likely those things are to go down, but we will, we will see this. All right, last thing. Mm-hmm. You got to look at this era of KD and Kyrie yeah. in Brooklyn. One playoff series those guys won together. Um, how do you evaluate the KD and Kyrie era in Brooklyn? And I asked Mike Vaccaro this the other day, where does this rank among like teams in sports in New York City mm-hmm. that had a lot of expectations and just didn't get it done? You know, it's it's got to be up there, if not one. You know, I like Dexter. You know how Twitter works. Someone's gonna throw some '80s team at me and say it's way worse. Like than the '80s, one, the right? '80s Mets. Or yeah, even though exactly. They won a yeah, right you know what I mean. It's just gonna be yeah. some like thing that gets thrown in there. But right. when you, how I look at it is, I look at it from the big three era standpoint more than just the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving era, right? Because that's really what gives you the full perspective, right? Because over the past thirteen months. Three superstars, all three of them have requested trade or had really requested trade demands in that time frame. Obviously, two have now been successful. One got rescinded and has a good possibility. I'm not going to say good, but, you know, there is a possibility 
that in the offseason that it comes back up again, right? Because Kevin Durant at that he's 34 now, you know, obviously he wants to win. He's made he's made it public he wants to win. You look at his media day comments from earlier this year when he was talking about the trade request, why he made it. All those sentiments completely align with what's going on now in Brooklyn, right? So you always have to keep that open-minded. Um, but when you really look at the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving era, 74 games played, one playoff series, obviously the the best word to do it, the kind of put it is disappointed, unfulfilled, right? You know, because a lot of Nets fans were happy when when they, these two both came to town. Obviously, if, if say it happened this year, no NBA team would shy away. They would take on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, right? Because those two guys are, are arguably the number one, well, arguably one at the, their positions. Kevin's obviously one of his. But, you know, now now that it's all over and now you got a Monday night game against the Clippers, it's life, the beginning of life without Kyrie Irving. You know, you still don't have Kevin. Ben Simmons, you know, obviously he has he hasn't been able to meet expectations coming off the offseason back injury with a lot of le- left leg problems as well. You know, it's 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 crazy. You know, life comes at you fast, and the Nets learned it pretty fast. Yeah, everything has been fast with the Nets, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, covering the team, a lot of change, a lot of uh, it's been mm-hmm. a roller coaster ride, and I might be being really nice there in terms mm-hmm. of calling it a roller coaster ride. We will see where it goes next if they make any moves. Before the deadline on Thursday, Chris mm-hmm. Mulholland, he will have you covered on that. Chris, keep up the great work uh, with Sports Illustrated, with Nets Daily. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you coming on to talk a little bit about it. And uh, for your sake, I'm kind of glad you don't have to go to any more crazy press conferences and uh, listen to answers from Kyrie. It probably makes well, a well, we got we got one coming. Whenever the Dinwiddie one does happen, you know that that that'll be an interesting one. Obviously, that is you true. Were, you you were in Brooklyn. You were you were covering this team when Spence was around. You know the guy that he is. So I do. <laughs> very very great guy. You know different body. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, man, we'll see what happens. Take it day by day. Like I said, life comes at you fast. And with this Nets, you know, one thing that we both know is expect the unexpected. So we'll expect see what happens. the unexpected. The only thing you can expect is Chris Mahola will do a great job covering the team. Thank you, Chris. I'll talk to you soon, okay, man? Appreciate you as always, brother. If you need anything, let me know. Will do. Thank you. That is Chris Mulholland of Sports Illustrated covering the Nets. He does such a great job with them. Thank you again, Chris. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to wrap the show up with my best bets for Monday night. I got three games to talk to you guys about. I think I got some pretty good picks for tonight, and we will talk about that when we come back on the NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. All right, guys, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. Your boy Dexter Henry here. Really good show today. Uh, it's been a while since we had done two guests in one show. I think it worked out fantastic with Lauren Gunn and Chris Mulholland. They both do a fantastic job covering it. Thank you to everybody checking in. Hit the like button wherever you're watching. Share this episode wherever you're watching. 
You can bring in the comments, whatever you think in the chat. I appreciate those who've checked in. Uh, shout out to Avinash, who's been bringing some really good questions throughout this episode. Had some good ones. I appreciate you for checking in there. So thank you so much. Uh, always appreciate the support of the people. But you know how we close out the show. We always got to talk some basketball betting. And there's some interesting slate of games tonight. The Nets, they play the Clippers. We talked about that a little bit too. Um, but I want to talk to you guys um, about what's going on with some of these bets that I like and some of the teams. And there's some interesting stuff. You've got some really good teams playing some bad teams tonight, some teams that are really moving around for positioning in the standings. So I think it's all really interesting right now. My first game that I'm going to talk about tonight is a team I've been talking about a lot lately in the last week, even though they are on a two-game losing streak, and that is the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings, they are taking on the Houston Rockets down in H-Town tonight. The Kings are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I've talked about this with the Kings time and time again. They are right now sitting. I just want to double-check that they did not slide down. They are still third in the West at 29-23. They're seven games behind the Nuggets. They lost their last two games a bit up and down. They had a two-game winning streak, lost two. They lost three before that. So they've been up and down five and five in their last ten. But what I've liked about betting with them is that they generally are going to take care of business. I think they've been focused on taking care of business against the teams that they should. This is a pretty manageable spread for them against the Rockets right now. The Rockets are not a good team at all. They are one of the worst teams in the NBA, if not the worst record. Yes, they do have the worst record in the NBA at 13 and 40. They're always back and forth with the Detroit Pistons, so I did not know that. But this is a home game for the Rockets. I like the Kings in this spot to take care of business, and I'm really liking betting the Kings who take care of business against teams they need to before they get into the All-Star break. This is a team that's very focused on getting on the playoffs. Mike Brown has them playing well. I think they take care of business tonight against the Rockets. I do not think this will be a contest. Love the line. is only five and a half. Some of that, I think, is because of the mistrust in the Kings. They lost a couple close games their last two games. Well, give me the Kings to cover five and a half. This is probably my lock'em bet of the night here with the Kings smacking the Rockets. I'd be very stunned if the Rockets won here. If you like the Rockets, you're plus 195 in the money line. Over under for this is 234 and a half. The fact that I could see this being a blowout, but the Rockets don't play any defense makes me want to probably go over, but I would stay away from the over under in this one. Next up, Milwaukee Bucks. They are four and a half point favorites. They are going to. Portland to take on the Trailblazers. The Blazers plus 164 in that money line. Over under for this is 239 and a half. Now, this is another team I like that's trending in the right direction. That is the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks have won seven games in a row, nine and one in their last 10. And Giannis has been on fire. He's averaging just under 40 points during this seven game winning streak. The other day, he had his third triple double of the season. He's been balling out of control. The Bucs also, I think there's been a lot of questions about their offense. There's been a lot of questions about moves they need to make before the trade deadline. I still think they make a move. They had a favorite to land Jay Crowder to get him from the Suns. I think that'll help their offense a lot and in terms of some of their switchability on defense. But the way they're playing right now is really good. Now, they beat up on a lot of bad teams, but this is a game on the road that if they're playing and they're healthy, everybody's playing and Giannis is playing in this one, you got to take the Bucs. They're rolling right now. The Blazers can't stop a nosebleed. and the Bucs are just a way better defensive team. They're only getting four and a half points here. You know, there's been some injury questions for the Bucs, but I like the Bucs here on the road against the Blazers to make it eight in a row. They're another team I think is very focused on peaking at certain points in the year and playing good basketball right before the All-Star break. Don't overthink this one. Also a good spread. 
I even like this game if Giannis doesn't play because I just think the Bucs still have enough, enough veteran savvy to get this done in this game. But Giannis is expected to play, and I think the Bucs are able to take care of business. And my last game of the night, this involves a huge injury shift that we have in the NBA. It's Oklahoma City Thunder. They're visiting the Golden State Warriors. Thunder plus 158 on that money line. Golden State Warriors, four-and-a-half-point favorites. Why such a slim line, you might ask, with the disparity in teams over under 237-and-a-half? And the Warriors, they just got the news that Stephen Curry is going to be out in at least a couple weeks. Another injury for Curry, partial ligament tears in his knee. That'll keep him out. Now, there's a point that Steve Kerr made with this that the Warriors have learned over the last couple of years how to play through stretches without Curry. Curry missed an 11-game stretch with the shoulder injury earlier in this season. And the Warriors went 6-5 and five in that stretch. So you can like that. But, 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 but. Watching the league this year, you've been watching the Thunder. You know how good Shea Gilders Alexander is. You see how the Oklahoma City Thunder have been playing hard. They're a very scrappy team. They're on the outside of the play-in tournament right now, but they're scrapping. They're trying to win games while also developing young talent. They're 25 and 27. The Warriors are 27 and 26. Normally, I'd say this is a game the Warriors should take care of, but didn't like how they looked uh, recently the other night. I think they'll struggle for a little bit without Curry. I think it takes them some time where you have Jordan Poole handling a lot of responsibilities and he turns the ball over a lot. I think this is a prime game to take the Oklahoma City Thunder. And you say, you want to take the Thunder and the points? Fine. I'd probably do that. Give me the Thunder and the four and a half. But if you really believe the Thunder can win, and I think the Thunder can win this game, I'm going Thunder money line here. I think the Thunder pulling upset in the Bay. I still think it'll take a couple games for Golden State to figure their things out without Curry. So give me the Thunder. Plus 158 on that money line to get it done here in San Francisco. All right, so here are my picks. I like the Kings covering five and a half point favorites in Houston tonight. Also, I like the Bucks covering his four and a half point favorites in Portland. So two road favorites. I like them. And then I'm taking the road dog in the Oklahoma City Thunder to knock off the Warriors in the Bay. Great show today. Uh, I'm going to share my thoughts really quickly on the whole Kyrie Irving trading trade situation and, and what it means for the Nets and the Mavericks because we were able to talk about this with Lauren Gunn and Chris Mulholland and they did such a great job in talking about it. But I think this is the best thing that could have happened for the Brooklyn Nets, to be honest. I think in, in, in terms of everything that's gone on, Kyrie was a problem. No doubt about it. Kyrie was a problem here. He was somebody that management can trust. To be quite frank with everybody, he's a player that I'm not sure any team can trust. Why would you trust him? Why would you want to give him a long-term contract? Now, there's something to desperation and desperation that's needed. And I do think the Mavericks somewhat are desperate. And you heard Lauren talk about this in terms that they've struck out a lot in free agency. They've always needed a star. And this is why they made this move. And I understand that. But Kyrie is Kyrie, man. You can't predict what Kyrie would do. It's been all about him. It hasn't been about team. And I do have concerns about him with the Mavericks. I have concerns about whoever he's with. There's a track record now. He wanted out of Cleveland, which I actually supported. He wanted to go do his own thing, be his own man. I can never knock anybody for that. But he blew stuff up in Boston. He blew stuff up in Brooklyn. You have all the outside stuff. Don't want to take the vaccine. The anti-Semitic retweet of the video. All this stuff going on, why would anybody trust Kyrie Irving? You can't trust Kyrie Irving. And Lauren even acknowledged that. He knows there's questions about it. 
I think Maverick fans should be excited about the offensive upside to see him with Luka. I get that. But you also got to be concerned about this dude if he doesn't like what he wants. Can't be trusted. And I don't care what you do for work. What you do for work. You know what people want? To know that you're reliable and you can be available. Kyrie Irving has not been reliable. And that's the thing. Now, on the net side of things, you wonder where they go from here. You really do. You wonder what Kevin Durant's thinking, but Kevin Durant has to take some of the blame in this. You chose this dude as your co-star, and it hasn't worked out. He's shown you time and time again that he was not reliable. So maybe it's a reset for the Nets, and I'm very intrigued to see what they do with their roster and how they tried to build around Kyrie. I was initially of the thought that they should just blow it up and get rid of Durant, but we also have to understand that this is a business, and Joe Sy knows that if he gets rid of Durant, he is not getting the same amount of people to come to games at the Barclays Center here in Brooklyn. And that stuff matters. So it'll be very interesting to see what the Nets do. But if you're the Nets, you got to be glad that you moved on. I saw uh, somebody in the chat that asked, like, oh, well, you know, did the Nets want to trade Kyrie Irving so badly because it's moved quickly? And I think part of the answer to that is yes, right? They knew this dude was a headache. It wasn't going to work out the contract. He didn't like what they were offering them in terms of stipulations of contracts and different incentives and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's the kind of contract you have to offer Kyrie Irving. Because he can't be trusted. But that's why the Nets were able to get this done so quickly. They didn't need the headache. There's been too much drama. Chris said it. Talked about Jacques Vaughn, who's done a good job coaching his team this year. He wants no more drama around this. And the Nets have now freed themselves from this drama. And I think that's actually a good thing for them. I really do. Now, can they get back to championship contention? Can we acknowledge that Chris said that the big three error is a failure? Yeah. We can acknowledge that. It was a failure. The KD Kyrie Irving era was a failure. It's been full of dysfunction. But you know what? Sometimes you got to recognize when there's a sunk cost and just move on. And the Nets did that very quickly. I think it puts them up in a great space to see what they can do before the trade deadline on Thursday. We'll have a lot to talk about with the trade deadline on Thursday. Gerard Hector will be with me on Wednesday. We will talk, I'm sure, a lot about What else is going on? We'll talk some more about this trade. Maybe we see some more deals done before that. But there should be a flurry of activity in terms of that going on. We'll have you covered on the NBA exchange. But look, you're a Mavericks fan. You should be a little concerned. You can't be ever mad at your team going for it and swinging for the fences. That's what Mark Cuban and and the guys down, Nico Harris and the guys in Dallas are doing. Can't be mad at them for that. You also can't be mad at the Nets for saying, yo, peace, deuces. We're done with this. Too much baggage. And one thing to be learned here, guys, when we're talking about the NBA, when we're because t- we forget sometimes this is a job, this is a business. Reliability matters. Accountability matters. Showing up. The people stuff matter. How you mix with teammates. There was no way Kyrie Irving could walk into that locker room back with the Nets after he had that trade request. There's no way and didn't show up on Saturday. There's no way he could walk back in the locker room. No way. Now, I think it's fair for some dudes in the Dallas locker room, despite how talented it is, to look at him and say, are you going to be all in? Fair for them to question that, too. The people stuff matters in team building. It matters in sports. This isn't just 2K or the trade machine where we're just moving people here and there. The personalities, everything around it, the culture of these teams. Gerard and I talk about this all the time. That stuff matters. And we'll see how it matters with the Mavericks going forward. We'll see if their culture is able to overcome. We'll see how happy Kyrie can be. We'll see what the Nets culture becomes after this. All this stuff is going to be interesting to watch. 
It's going to be a fantastic second half of the season. Also going to be interesting to see what team Kyrie represents in the All-Star game and how he is drafted and who he's playing with and all this stuff. And if him and Kevin Durant play on the same team, it'll all be interesting. All be interesting. But for now, there shouldn't be not as much drama in Brooklyn surrounding the Brooklyn Nets. Like I said, we will have a good show, a good couple shows this week. Uh, we have Gerard Hector on Wednesday. Hopefully we have a guest to break down the trade deadline acquisition deals that were or weren't on Friday. So a good show with tons of good basketball left to go. So many moves, so many possibilities. This league never stops, man. Basketball never stops. Always going. Special thank you to my guests, Lauren Gunn and Chris Mulholland. They did a great job breaking down this trade from both sides. Special thank you to everybody again, as I said, for checking in. So a lot of you checking in with the questions. Like, share this episode. If you missed previous part of this episode, it's archived on YouTube. It's archived everywhere. Facebook, if you're watching there. Also, the audio version will be out in a couple of hours. You can listen to that on all digital streaming platforms and check it out. So thank you to everybody for watching, listening, sharing, liking, supporting. Enjoy the basketball. Trade deadline is coming up. We'll see you Wednesday. Until next time, y'all. Peace.